The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Today we're looking at uh, why must we be diligent to live in, live in the freedom of grace, which is really what we started talking about the last time. This is part two of Embracing Grace. And we're going to be looking this time at, uh, we looked before at the first 12 verses, I think, of chapter 5. Now we're looking at verses 13 through 18. And we're just moving on from that, the same thing. And this is what Paul is so concerned about, that they needed to understand how serious this issue was of them embracing grace as a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing can take its place. Uh, and let me just read to you this passage that we're going to be looking at. It's Galatians 5, verses 13 through 18. And this is what Paul says, what he writes. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And what he's saying is, is that our freedom is the freedom to serve one another. It sounds a little bit strange, but that's what he says grace is all about. He goes on, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. That's kind of a catchy thought there, that what he's saying is, because we have these these oppositions within us, he says that no matter what you do, you're going to disappoint, you're going to have to say no to one or the other, either the flesh or the spirit. But then he says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Not under the law in the sense of... of being under something that was impossible to keep. That's what Paul found out. That's why he cries out, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Because he could not bring himself to keep the law. He kept failing in different ways. And he thought he was going to lose his salvation, in a sense. But he came to understand that this is the difference between grace and works. That works salvation, us being saved by fulfilling works, is a lose-lose proposition. We will either get proud and fall into sin, or we will get devastated by the fact that we can't keep the law, and uh, it will also cause different kinds of problems. Now, there are three pre- preliminary questions we should ask ourselves. The first is, what is the flesh? Well, the, the answer to that is that the flesh is human life lived independently of God. That's what the flesh is. The flesh is a word that uses to describe man in his separation from God. He's cut off from God. And so all he has is, is simply existence. He isn't able to do what God has called him to do. So human life is lived independently of God and that we call that the flesh. And it's just a, it's just an expression that says that's all you are, just the flesh. You just have a humanity, but you don't have the Spirit of God in. And so the person who's in the flesh is without the power to keep the Word of God. The second question we should ask is, why is the flesh contrasted with the Spirit? And here's the answer. The answer is that the Spirit is man's capacity to know God. God gave us a Spirit so that we would know God. He actually wants us to know Him. This is, this is strange to some people. Why would God want us to know Him? 
Well, because of his love for us, and he wants us to know him, and so he gives us the Spirit through the Son, and the Spirit gives us the power to know God. The word flesh is talking about life lived independently of God, whereas the Spirit is is talking about the one who gives us the capacity to know God. God wants us to know him. And when we speak together, when we speak to each other about God, what we are doing is we are spreading something wonderful. We are, we are sharing with people what salvation is all about. It brings us into this place where we can know God and we can understand God and we can have a relationship with God because our heart is being controlled by the Spirit. And then what happens when a person, this is the third question, what happens when a person turns to God in faith? When a person comes to faith in Christ, this is what happens. This is the answer. There is reconciliation with God. We are reconciled to God, but we are, but sin is not eradicated. There's not an eradication of sin which dwells in me, Paul said. So we still have this battle that we have been reconciled to God himself, and yet we have not been completely changed, and so we still have sin dwelling within us. And that's what Paul found out in trying to keep the law. And this is what happens to people is they, when they turn to the law, they're turning to something that's so absolute that we're saying, I am trusting that I'm going to be able to live perfectly. I'm going to be able to keep the law perfectly, and then I'll be saved. But the fact is, we don't, because we have sin dwelling in us. And then real freedom is found only in the body of Christ. And that is because the Holy Spirit is continually liberating us so that we can do a couple of things. Firstly, we can freely serve one another through love rather than control. So we're... we're, we're We've been changed in our relationship to one another. Uh, we don't try to control people by oppression, but instead we serve people through love. And this is something that you can't escape. It's something that takes place when you come to faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit begins to work in us, and he gives us a desire to bless his people, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Life in the flesh is characterized by controlling relationships and scheming and so forth. That's why whenever this this shows its face in a church, God condemns it. This is not how we are to live. Life in the flesh is characterized by controlling relationships, but not the church of Jesus Christ, because we have entered into this sphere of grace. One of the things that happens in Romans chapter 5, in the first 11 verses, he's explaining some things about grace, and he says that what happened to us when we got saved is we were ensphered in grace. We were put in the midst of grace and we're ensphered in it. And this is why the Spirit of God has the ability to so influence us that we actually treat people based upon our love for them, our caring for them, our concern about them. So he, we are told we can freely serve one another through love rather than control one another by oppression. And there are plenty of groups that you could join that is are control they, they are characterized by controlling other people in the group by oppression but life in the flesh is characterized by controlling relationships not life in the spirit life in the spirit is characterized by serving relationships this is what happens in the the, the life of the spirit is we are influenced by the spirit to bless one another um, and then real freedom is found only in the body of Christ where we are, and it's because the Spirit is there, and he's liberating us continually so that we can, for example, freely fulfill holy desires rather than be driven by destructive compulsions. 
We actually want to bless people. We actually want to, to treat them in such a way that things go better with them. That And we're told we should even encourage one another and build up one another because we want to see everyone around us in the body of Christ, in Christ, we want to see them grow and to go uh, their life become characterized by their relationship with God and their relationship with others that the Spirit is giving them this desire to love. Walking in the Spirit is offering your whole life in response to the Spirit. That's what that expression means, walking in the Spirit. It's ordering your whole life in response to the Spirit so that what you, the way you respond to things is simply not simply reading articles in the newspaper or books from the library, but rather you are getting these signals from the Spirit through His Word and through His people to order your whole life in response to Him because it is compelling I had a conversation yesterday with a man who was trying to convince me that there were some people that you should you just should never help and you should never love and you should never do good to them because they'll only do evil because of it. Well, we understand that there can be people who are ensnared by Satan, but what we also understand is the power of the Holy Spirit is far greater than the power of Satan and that God has called us to love people. He's called us to actually let people see our scars and know that we're not perfect. We are not saying that we're perfect and that we're going to heaven because we're living the perfect life. And this is the result of walking in the Spirit. We become free from compulsions of the flesh. We're no longer driven to control people. We are now empowered to love them. Freely follow the Spirit rather than being dominated by the law, verse 18 says. In other words, the law simply tells you what's right, and you know it's right. It's just that you can't continually do it. Uh, you will you will pull back, and you won't do it. Life in the flesh is being restrained by the law, and the, the problem is restraint will not produce righteousness. Life in the Spirit is being led by the Spirit. It's a, the Spirit of God leading us in our relationships with people. For example, the New Testament commands husbands to love their wives the way Christ loved the church. And the Spirit actually produces that desire in a man so that he wants to love his wife. And he wants to live a life that manifests the truth of how the Spirit produces this in him and through him. Uh, it, the Spirit also produces freedom in relationships. He gives us an inner motivation and he also changes our lifestyle. And so what happens is the Spirit of God produces in us because we walk in the Spirit. As we walk in the Spirit, we are influenced by the Spirit. He pushes us in a particular direction, or he draws us in a particular direction, and that is the direction of Jesus Christ. One of the things that you notice when you read the New Testament is that the Pharisees among the Jews hated the fact that Jesus loved people so much that one Pharisee invited him over for lunch, and while he's there, a woman comes in and begins to kiss his feet, among other things. And it was because she had been forgiven much by him, and so she was so overwhelmed with happiness at what God had done through him in her life. And the, the Pharisee's getting all angry. He says, you, you couldn't be a man of God, because if you were, you would know what kind of woman this is, and you wouldn't let her touch you. But what Jesus knew was that she had been forgiven much, and that's what he told him. He says the reason that she's acting this way is because she's been forgiven much, and so she has much to be thankful for. And the reason that you feel no compulsion uh, 
to kiss my feet or to even get a servant to wash my feet, which was just manners, good manners, is because he didn't think he was forgiven, needed to be forgiven of anything. So this comes when we walk in the Spirit. We have these kind of relationships with people. Uh, the, the deeds of the flesh and the, the, the uh, fruit of the Spirit are described for us in the book of Galatians in chapter 5, a little later in verses. The, for, for example, the deeds of the flesh are described in, in Galatians five nineteen through 21. This is what it says. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, so here are the deeds of the flesh or the works of the flesh, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, that is ordering your life around thinking that you have found the perfect idol, that is the perfect substitute for God that you should worship, sorcery, Sorcery is an interesting word because it actually is based upon a Greek word, pharmakia, which is the basis of our, our word pharmacy. And it has to do with the use of drugs to experience an altered state of consciousness. And he says that's one of the works of the flesh. Idolatry, sorcery, enmities, that is, don't you like to get stirred up to hate somebody, to be angry with somebody? Enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, we're going to be in the midst of God's people, and we're going to actually love them. That's the amazing thing about it. We're going to love the people of God. Uh, and we're not going to be trying to, to control people. We're not going to be living after the flesh and trying to compel people to do what we want them to do rather than them live under the, the very power of the Holy Spirit. And so this is, this is why it's so important for us to push and to stand firm against any kind of legalism or law-keeping as a basis of our salvation because God has offered us a salvation that is rich and free, and it's consistent with the ministry of the Spirit in our lives, and the Holy Spirit will begin to produce a change in our hearts. We'll begin to love people, even people that before we could not, we felt like we could not love them because they were so flawed. And the other thing that happens, of course, is that we begin to be more transparent about ourselves, that we're not afraid to tell the truth about ourselves, that we have scars, that we're not perfect that we are, we are simply men and we have and women and we have flaws and shortcomings, but we are resting on the perfect sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is why Paul is pushing that they would not be moved by these what's called Judaizers. They were teaching the law as the basis of salvation. And Paul is trying to get them to stand firm and rely upon this glorious doctrine that we are saved by grace through faith plus nothing. That's the way that the New Testament puts it. We are saved by grace through faith plus nothing. It is not our good works. It's not our performance. It is the performance of Jesus Christ. He has died in our place, and that has been made available to us. So what we are told to do is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we are told if we do that, we will be saved. We will be forgiven. But more than that, we'll be saved in the sense that our character will be changed and we will begin to love people through the Spirit and do what's best for them, what we want to see happen in their lives, not 
uh, us trying to get the, the supreme place and have them serve under us rather than being a brother or sister in Christ that stands as equals with us in the kingdom of God. So Paul is concerned about these people, and he's concerned about us, the next generations that are going to come, which which we are, are inhabit in one of those. And so God wants us to live, and Paul makes it clear, he wants us to live a life that is based upon grace. And this life based upon grace is going to be appropriate for all eternity, for all of life and all eternity. We will be able to live our lives under the influence of the Spirit, and the Spirit will will motivate us to love others, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and even those people outside the church that we know God has provided for them. If they'll simply turn to Christ, they'll receive this gift of eternal life, and they'll live in fellowship with other believers and with the living Christ and the triune God for all eternity. And so we we're to have a real we have a real compelling argument that we should live in grace and not uh, shift ourselves and trade grace for law. Law has no future to it. That this kind of law, salvation by law, salvation by law keeping. We understand that we could not keep the law because it's only as we live in the power of the Spirit that we can actually do what God has called us to do. And that's exactly what he wants to see happen. He wants the church to be characterized by people who are trusting the Holy Spirit to empower them. There is a place in the New Testament, it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where he emphasizes this. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now that's an absolute statement. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation means God bringing down a verdict against us and making us pay for our sins. But what he says is there there is no uh, condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is why he says it. He says, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And what he's talking about is the influence of the Holy Spirit doing his work in and through Jesus is why there is no condemnation. It's not because, as some people think, we're saying, oh, you can live any way you want. You can be as sinful as you want. You'll still go to heaven. That's not the point at all. The point is is that he has called us to experience a real life change, a life change based upon the power of the Spirit, not our power, not our ability, but the ability of the Holy Spirit to change us and to empower us to walk in grace. And when we do that, what he tells us is we will be more concerned about loving people than we are will will be about controlling people through the flesh. That's what we have to look forward to, and this is what he's called us to. He wants the church to be this kind of church, a church that's based upon the grace of God. And we treat each other based upon the grace of God. It's the reason we don't have to hold grudges. We don't have to be bitter towards each other. That we can be, we can be for one another because Jesus Christ has paid the price for us to be reconciled together. He made us one. We, we have been baptized in the body of Christ and every single Christian who's put faith in Christ is a, now a member of the body of Christ. And all that we do as the body of Christ is done in the power of the Holy Spirit and for the purpose of building up and not tearing down. And so we want to live like that. We want to be like that. We want to see this manifested in our lives 
throughout the whole future. So let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this text and how clear it is about our future and about our life now. We pray that you would cause our hearts to be grabbed by it and held captive by it, Father. We are so grateful that we can live in grace, that we can actually experience the Spirit influencing us to love one another, to care for people, to be willing to lay down our lives for each other. When Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another the way I have loved you, he had not yet gone to the cross, but he was going to go very quickly. And we pray that we'd be able to be able to love one another in that way, that we'd be willing to lay down our life and lay down those things that seem to be so important to us, but which are really nothing but small things that have no great significance. We thank you so much, Father, for your grace and for your glory and for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.